Welcome, eagles and eaglets, to another edition of Road Noise. This is Will. This is Jay. Eagle families, last time we took you on a deep philosophical journey, unpacking the idea of the Imago Dei. If you're remembering the Latin we taught you last week, that's the image of God. Particularly, we talked about how you bear that image and how everyone around you bears that image too. Today, where we're going is what does that mean for you on a day-to-day basis at Oklahoma Christian Academy? And as I always like to start, I get all my best ideas from Jay. So Jay, what exactly does that mean for the day-to-day life at OCA? What does it mean that we are the image of God? Exactly. It means that we are created to be like him. Okay. But as we talked about last time, we realize that something got broken, right? Mm-hmm. It starts in Eden. Something got bent in the human heart, and we don't reflect the image of God as we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But the ministry of Jesus Christ is bringing that back again. So the Christian life is very much practiced trying to look as much like Jesus Christ as we can. Jay, from an administrative perspective at OCA, our number one goal for our students is exactly what you just said. I'm thrilled if you're a great engineer, you're an attorney, you're a doctor, you're a missionary, all kinds of amazing things, a wonderful mom, a wonderful dad. But what I want most is that you emulate Christ in your life. That's our goal for your learning at OCA. I love it. And I think that's part of what's missing in our culture today. Yeah. We're chasing so many other things, and we want our kids to do well in so many different arenas, but we don't put first and foremost their discipleship to Jesus Christ. Are we teaching our kids character? Yeah. Is what it really comes down to. If I recognize, Will, that you are an image bearer of God, and I tear you down, Mm -hmm. I need to be worried about the wrath of God when I do things like that. Sure. Do I think I'm going to be okay with God if I go tearing his images down, like breaking them down, especially if I'm doing that in a way to build up my own monument, right? Monuments to my own greatness. I trashed this other person you made God so that I could make myself greater. Yeah. I'm going to read from Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fashioned around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Harsh words. It's pretty subtle. Yes. Subtlety is not Jesus' thing. If you want to be great, humble yourself, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to be great, be like a child. And we've seen the disciples mess this up. The little children want to come to Jesus and they're like, no, you're not important enough. Yep. And Jesus is like, no, let them come to me because they're precious to Mm -hmm. me. They bear the image of my father. He's essentially saying to us, if you want to tear other people down as you're focusing on your own greatness, good luck with that because my father is going to be fighting tooth and nail against that. That is not who he is. That is not what he is showing favor to. We recognize this in our own kids Occasionally, my kids, and I would guess your kids, compete for your affection. And sometimes that competition is healthy. Sometimes it's, I'm going to tattle on so-and-so, undermine so-and-so, because I'll look better in your estimation if brother's in trouble. Yeah. 
I know as dad, that doesn't play with me. I don't step back from that conversation and go, yep, I do love you more now. <laughs> no, that doesn't you, work. You, you tore your brother down. He shouldn't have done that. So you know what? You are now my favorite. You move up the, you got a yeah, chart on you your You are now up the chart. Yep. Yeah. No, not at all. No, that's nonsense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It, but that's what but we do it. And it's opposite. My love for my kids, I don't see it ever changing up or down for any of them. Mm. Now, the likability of my kids <laughs> does have an ebb and flow. And if you're the one that's tearing down to be liked better, yeah, the inverse is happening with your likability with me. Well, let's talk about this because I think this is where humanity often falls the most short. Mm -hmm. We yep. attack someone precious to God, made in his image, so that we'll look better? Yeah. What kind of sense does that make? None. Uh-huh. Yet we do it. So why? Why are we tempted to do that? Where does that come from? One argument I could make is it's laziness. It's easier and quicker to gain ground by removing other people's ground. If I trip you. Yeah. If I train for this sprint, that'd be one way to win, or I could just make sure you fall over. Yeah. I think that's where we go to sometimes because growing in the estimation of other people in a really authentic way takes time. It's a grind. You can't prove your integrity overnight. Mm -mm. You can undermine somebody's integrity in 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, our students are probably sick of hearing about cancel culture, but that's part of that cancel culture mentality. It's the power of a soundbite to wreck somebody. Yeah. Now, there are moments that those soundbites probably needed to happen. Did they need to be completely and totally wrecked? Arguably not, because again, we're supposed to be loving people, even people who make mistakes. This is largely what's on display right now in our culture. Mm -hmm. It's election time. Mm -hmm. And this, oh, yeah. is, this is usually what you see. And we it's know it is. And we know from the data that people don't like it. But negative. we respond to it. We do. People don't like negative campaign ads, but they also know that it moves the needle. Yeah, it works. That's laziness, too. It's it easier to digest what makes one person bad than it is to digest what makes one person good. It is. So much of this is of the world and how the world operates. But Jesus has come with a new way. He's got people that he fights with from mm -hmm. time to time. Sure. But it's the people who should know better. The vast, vast, vast majority of people that Jesus is interacting with, he's not tearing those people down. He's building those people up. And he's building them up in massive ways. He's taking his fame and he's just sort of putting it on them like a jacket and saying, here you go. Mm -hmm. You rise now. You woman at the well. You man chained up at the tombs. You little guy up there up in the tree that I see. So let's talk about this in the classrooms and in the hallway Yeah, at OCA. Because I know it's a temptation for our kids. This is problem number one for most of our students. The reason a lot of kids get in trouble is because they it's, are... It's conflict. It is, with other students or with their teachers. Right. Right? So we'll talk about this as it pertains to fellow students, and we'll talk about this as it pertains to teachers. Okay. So how do we see our students tearing other students down? OCA is a stronger, healthier culture than my high school. Mine too. So I do think that our kids largely lean into the aspirations we hope for them in being like Christ. That said, we are not perfect and we make mistakes. And there are many ways we've seen kids hurt each other. A big one, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, social media, how we use our phones. We've had students create meme accounts 
where then they post pictures of their peers with some joke, something that digs at who they are or something that they're sensitive about. Oh, it's so interesting about that. You're talking about tearing someone down to build yourself up. Those are anonymous accounts. Well, uh, you're not really making fun of people who you imagine are lower on the social ladder than you are. I might dig at somebody next to me just so people laugh and think I'm funny. But those people that I'm really trying to tear down, they're probably a couple of rungs higher than me. And I need to knock them down a couple notches. If I can do that anonymously, why not? Or you're just jealous of something that they have that you don't. Yeah. There is a temptation in us, I think. It's the tattling mentality. I know something about this person that if only you knew, you wouldn't like them as much as you do. And I can't hold it in anymore because it it just makes me sick inside that you like this person this much. (laughs) So here's the truth about them. Right. Here's the truth. And while sometimes we, we deserve the truth, if you're delivering the truth purely for the sake of bringing someone down, that's the wrong motivation. Yeah. I think that's going to come up so many times in this podcast. What is your motivation? What's your why in doing this right now? If you're coming to me as the president of the school and you're sharing with me someone's burden and challenge that's not yours, if you're doing that out of a desire for them to get help and love or out of a desire to protect your classmates or your teachers, it's an others-oriented desire. Fantastic. You want things to be better for that person. You want things to be better for others. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to me. Right. If you come to me and you just want to tell me how so-and-so is worse than you and how I need to go do something about it, you know what? By policy, I may still need to go do something about it, but I'm nowhere near as pleased because you came to me with the wrong rationale. You didn't come with a sense of out of love for this person and love for our community. This needs to change. You came from a place of out of how great I think I am and how much I'm sick of you liking this other person or other people liking this person, you need to know they did this wrong. It's a holier-than-thou attitude. Yeah. It's the same issue you're bringing to me in both cases, but one is Christ-led. One, I would argue, is the opposite. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing that's unique about a place like OCA. We have kids who have grown up in church, and we have kids coming our way who've never been to church before. Yep. Or if they have, it's like, well, maybe we did. I don't really remember. I don't know much about it. But now I'm at this place, Oklahoma Christian Academy. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that most of the people who are around me are Christians. Well, what am I going to think about God when all of these people are awful to me? They're not welcoming me in. They're tearing me down. Those things about me that I really like about myself, they're trying to, like, vilify. Uh That doesn't reveal a clear image of God to people who don't yet know him. And that's the greatest mission we have. If you're mistreating each other, too. You know, you're talking about Jesus physically leaving the earth. And before he leaves, he prays. And he says, God, make them one, like you and I are one. Because then the world will know that you sent me. That's what's going to reveal Christ's divinity to the world. Yes. Well, if we're, as Christians, less than unified and treating each other poorly and fractured, we're not revealing Jesus to the world. Maybe a problem or a temptation for our young people is, well, everybody's doing this. Everybody else is tearing other people down. You think it's happening that much? I don't want people to get the idea when they hear the podcast (laughs) that it's complete Wild West chaos. No, it's not. But, Will, everybody understands that this is what humans do. As a 
kid. I'm thinking about my. I think about sixth grader Jay. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was a pretty decent kid, pretty nice kid. Mm-hmm. But I said bad things about people that I didn't like. Okay, so let's talk about that gossip. Gossip is huge. I think I'm safe to say gossip is the number one threat to our image bearing in the larger OCA community. I agree. Not just our kids, but our parents, our teachers, our president. When we talk about other people behind their back and sow the seeds of narrative with a malicious intent or with even just a less than loving intent, it does damage to the kingdom. And it does damage to our community. It's not just damage to that person you hope to bring down. It damages trust and relationship across the board. And it creates environments in which we can no longer be vulnerable with each other, like we need to be. Right. And I'll tell you, it exhausts me. And even as I'm sick of it, I'll say, too, that I join in it sometimes. And I shouldn't. I give in to temptation to talk poorly about a colleague. But you wouldn't say it to them. No. And and again, it's not a productive, critical feedback. Mm. It's a catharsis for me Yeah, to let loose on someone else about how, man, Jay, Jay really is the worst. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, Jay. Jay's terrible. He's oh, thanks, man. We connected over the fact that Jay's the worst. <laughs> Sounds like you do this a lot. I do. I'm worried. Yeah. I'm, but I'm saying our students definitely do that. Every, uh, humans do that. And one reason they do it is because we as parents, and again, I'm including myself, parents and mentors, we also do it. Mm-hmm. And we model for them an environment that loves you to your face and then gets in the car and says, man, what a dummy. Mm-hmm. We got to stop that. Even if we think the person's a dummy. Last week, we talked about praying a prayer, God, help me see with your eyes. You can acknowledge when you don't yet see. I don't think it's okay to stay there. Let's role play really fast. Oh, okay. So let's say we are at the lunch table or we are in kind of the hangout space at OCA. And then all of a sudden somebody says, oh, did you hear the thing about (laughs) so-and-so? Right? Yep. I know it's coming. It's probably not they won the state championship. Probably not. It's something bad about that person. So these are situations that happen all the time. What do we do in these situations so as not to participate in gossip, but also not look like we're judging the person who's getting ready to share it? Because it's one thing to be the gossiper. It's another thing to receive that and how I receive that and what I do with that. Mm -hmm. How can we coach our kids in these gossip situations when, when that comes up? Well, I don't think it's sticking your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 don't tell me. Because if I don't hear, I won't say. That's like anything. Virus doesn't spread if you don't spread it. It can stop with you. Same thing with gossip. I don't think receiving the gossip necessarily indicts you in spreading the gossip. That sounds sinful. Receiving the gossip may be one of the only ways that you can thoughtfully respond to your point without acting judgmental. It also doesn't presume for the other person that whatever they're going to tell you is terrible. So if you come to me and say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? There's an off chance you have something good and wholesome to tell me. There's a 10% chance. Yeah. And so if I just stop you and say, don't tell me, I don't want to hear it. And you're like, oh, but you didn't know that so-and-so ran the quarter mile in record time. And you go, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have blocked you from telling me that. So assume the best that they're bringing you something good. Once they deliver it, if it's gossip, if it's tearing down, if it's mean-spirited, I think what you have to do is say, 
how do I see the person that's telling me this in love? How do I see the person they're talking about in love? And I say, huh, I hadn't heard that. How are we going to help them with that? Yeah. And I think it's really easy for us in that moment, too, to build the person up who's been gossiped about. If I recognize that it's a situation where, oh, this is a teardown, there's one of two ways. Well, there's three ways I can go with that. I can continue to tear the person down. You I can, can just be totally to neutral. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can add fuel to the fire. I can be totally neutral. Or I could go, you know what? He's really great. And sort of counter that without shaking a finger at that person going, you're a terrible gossip. And maybe there's opportunities at times to do that for our friends. If somebody is continually a gossip in your life, to love them enough to call that out. Calling out sin in people's lives is difficult, or it should be. It should be brutal. Sometimes gossip stems from a place of, well, nobody's going to do anything about this, or nobody's going to talk about that, so we'll just talk about it over here. Right. In hopes that it, by talking over here, somebody over there will know to talk about it. Right. When somebody brings it to you, I think you should try to quickly digest, what's the real problem here? What am I hearing? And it could be a hard issue, and it could be a hard issue in a couple of different places. It could be the person telling you. It could be the person who did something. It's probably a little bit of both. But I think for you to quickly digest, where do I see a lack of love, and then how do I bring that back into the equation? That needs to be my role. Take the role play the next step. Let's say you got it and you're tempted to share it. When I go to start to talk about someone, what is it that's tempting me to share this idea? If I'm sitting at the dinner table with my wife and we're just eating and she's like, anything happened at work today? And suddenly I get an itch. Ooh, something juicy happened. Checking my motivation quickly. What value is added to my wife in knowing that story? What value is added to the person I'm telling the story about? Is my telling the story somehow bringing light and love into the world that wasn't there before? Or is it bringing darkness and pain into the world that wasn't there before? Even if it's subtle, what am I doing with the story? And I got to remind myself that a lot of times, if your story is juicy, you're not telling that story for good. You're telling that story to celebrate somebody else's idiocy or failure. This is what we do with celebrities. This is what we do with politicians. We get so excited when they fail. How excited do we get when they succeed? Not very excited. If they're on our team. Yeah. Yeah. We have things actually as sad as this is in our world called gossip columns. They're whole sites. Yeah. Gossip is an industry in our And that's culture. all just about, do you know who just got divorced? Right. And how they got divorced? Why is that entertainment? That ought to be heartbreaking. Right. This has a way of shaping our hearts. If you at home are indulging in gossip about people you don't know and you're finding entertainment in that, that has a trickle-down effect into how you tell and receive stories about people you do know. And I've heard these stories in the church. It's these challenging, heavy things that you know if you stop and think rationally about someone or multiple someones is broken at this situation. And it's your table talk fodder. And so maybe one of the things that we need to ask ourselves is, would I share this story if this person was here? Would I be talking about it like this if this person was here? Would I share this story with Jesus? <laughs> yes. If the person was just, if I turned around and the person was just over my shoulder, would I be incredibly embarrassed? Would it be a shocking moment? I realize that we're asking a lot of our young people today. We're probably asking a lot of our moms and dads and our guardians as we talk about this today. But this is the stuff of Christ. One of the best indications if my heart is given over to Christ is what comes out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says that too. 
out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. It's like we can't contain it. And if good things are coming out of my mouth, then that's a great indication that what is bubbling up out of my heart is the good stuff. Right. But if what is coming out of my mouth is gossip and it's tearing other human beings down, man, what's in there? Christ calls us to love one another. And love is revealed in action and it's revealed in words. But love, I do think ultimately does live inside of you. Yes. Do I love Jay? I think sometimes we tell ourselves a little bit of a fiction that, oh, of course I love Jay. I just wanted to gossip about him. Just wanted to tell a little story. I think there are moments in our lives where there are people we genuinely don't like, and there are people we genuinely want to see brought down a peg. And when they get brought down a peg, particularly if we get to be part of it, we eat that up with a spoon. And then we go back to church or to home, and we think to ourselves, deep down, I love that person. That wasn't a hateful feeling. The sobering question to ask yourself is, do you love them? I'll admit, there have been people in my life that I have to pray about and say, God, I'm not sure I love this person right now, because in my heart, I'm so frustrated with them. I've lost so much trust in them. If I begin to want their downfall more than I want their salvation, that is a symptom of hatred. It's not a symptom of love. Yeah. That's horrible to admit. No, there are people that are on my prayer list every day, and I'm not praying specifically for them. I'm just praying that I won't dislike them. Mm -hmm. Part of my prayer is not necessarily that I will jump to just loving someone, but that I won't actively hurt them. I won't dig the divide deeper. Yes. And here's the thing for me. When I do act in ways of blessing in those people's lives, I feel like a fraud. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm such a fraud right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm being nice to you. I'm wishing good things for you. Yeah. I'm saying nice things to other people about you, but the heart's not not there yet. Yep. I think God's okay with the process of that because the process for me isn't that I'm getting further away from that person. My heart isn't becoming more and more hardened to that person. I'm trying. I want to be clear with our students. It doesn't mean you can never share something that you feel the need to get out somehow, but that's got to be high integrity, high trust, high care, and it's got to be with an intent of love, not damage. Well, we also need to have this disclaimer for our students, too. If other students are bullying you, if other students are harming you, if there are adults in your life who are harming you or abusing you, it is not gossip and it is not wrong to go tell another adult, another person about that. And it's not wrong to say if it's happening to someone else. Sure. That's another thing where we misinterpret this. Oh, I'm not going to be a tattletale. This isn't happening to me. It's happening to so-and-so. Right. If you are privy to how someone else is being hurt, I think it's your responsibility tell. You need to love that person who's being hurt. Yeah, and but it's your intent. You're not going there to start this fire. You're doing it to protect someone. And I'll tell you, I've had kids come into my office just panicked. Like, I feel like I need to tell you this, but I also am worried that it's gossip. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, grateful for the worry. <laughs> yes, I'm grateful for the worry. That tells me the condition of your heart. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what you need to talk about. And then if we decide it is gossip, then we'll stop yeah, it. Yeah, stop it. If we decide that this is something that administration needs to know, I'm so glad that you brought it to us. Yeah. My hope would be, as leaders at OCA, that we are high-trust people. And when we're not, students, parents, you need to call us out. When we are not behaving with integrity, you need to call us out. I would hope that students, 
if they catch wind of something that concerns them, one way of diffusing it is come to us. Yeah, We're not going to gossip about the fact that you told us. And tell us first. Don't tell eight of your friends and then tell us. That's the difference, right? Right. Don't tell the people who can't do anything about it. Go tell the people who can do something about it. Then you know you're not gossiping. Yeah. At the end of all things, when all is done, Mm -hmm. you and I stand before the creator of the world and we give account for the lives that we lived. And there's going to be some rough stuff that we have to give an account for. But I want to be living my life so that I hear good and faithful servant mm-hmm. more often than I hear, why did you say this Yeah, about this person? What were you doing? What was your motivation? Did you know what that did to that person? Do you realize the difficulty and the calamity that you caused with a careless word? Well, let's do this. I really want to say a prayer for <gasps> On the our students and for our families and for the both of us as we wrap up the podcast today. Okay, well, I'm, we not, I'm not playing music underneath that. because Don't I'm... do it. All right, you pray. Father God, I pray for Will and I right now. I pray for our families. I pray for our students. Father, we pray that you would change our hearts. We've talked to the last couple of podcasts about being image bearers of yours, that you want to make us into your likeness, that from the very beginning— uh, you created us in your likeness. And through the ministry of your son, Jesus Christ, you were making us more and more into your likeness. Father, one of the great promises in Scripture that you give us is that you will change our hearts. Father, we pray today that you will give us new hearts, that you will change our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh, that you will write your very words on our hearts. Father, there are lots of things that get in the way of that. There are lots of things that steal our hearts away from your goodness and your grace. There are lots of things inside of us that make us want to tear others down, tear others made in your image down. Father, change our hearts so that we're not that way. Make us more like Jesus, who loved all those he came into contact with. Make us more like you, who make the rain to fall on the good and the evil. Father, we want to love like you love, but we can't do it on our own. Through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through the community, uh, make us more like Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.